Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard, brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. Big Blue Restoration, the number one choice in water damage restoration. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome to the last Carolina Contractor Show for the month of June. My name is Eric Smith and with us as usual, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing all rested and tan looking fresh from vacation glad to have you back donnie it's always good to be back man vacation was nice but by the end of the week i was ready to be back home and, and get back at it as far as work goes speaking of the vacation thing we did a show a few weeks back and we talked about how to vacation proof your house and i'll be the first to say that i kind of blew it on that uh, when you we didn't went follow your own advice no well i did but i missed a few things oh. and um we actually got home and uh pulled in and i was so happy to be there and I get out and I'm starting to unpack all these heavy bags and I look across the yard and there's about 300 bottles and cans out there. And uh, what I did wrong is I took all my trash um, uh, to the local place where we dropped that off, but there's also a recycling center and I was in a hurry. So I said, I'll just leave the recyclables till I get back because they're not heat sensitive or anything. And we had a really big windstorm and it took my trash can and moved it about 40 feet from where I left it. And of course, oh. uh, you know, we have dogs and everything. They got into there and, and wanted to see if there was anything worth uh, smelling in the uh, bags and they just turned out to put the bottles and cans all over the place. So that was nice. And, um, I go in the house and there's this awful smell and I'm thinking, geez, me of all people, I should have known better. The thing was we couldn't figure out what the smell was. We didn't have any trash inside, start walking around. And then I looked up and it hit me. My daughter's dance recital was about a week before we went on vacation and flowers are a big thing after a recital. Mm -hmm, So of course, we have this beautiful bouquet of flowers, and uh, we left it out on the bar. It wilted. The flowers died, and I had no idea that there was going to be this horrible odor in the flower water. So the mm. flower water basically smelled up the whole house. And, um, you know, we, we take the flower water out, and my son pretends to gag because I made him do it. We figured out what the problem was, and I'm walking through the house about an hour later, and I said, I still smell something a little bit bad. I start looking everywhere, open the refrigerator. I just can't track it, and then... It dawned on me, open the microwave, and you guessed it, my son left a hamburger in the microwave for about a week. So it was a nice, <laughs> it had a nice coat of mold on top mm. and terrible smell in the microwave. That was another hour of work to clean that up. So, you know, maybe I should follow my own advice or be a little more extensive when I put a list out next time. I'll, uh, I'll have to add these three to that list. We came home from a short vacation one time and a small storm had gone through and lifted our gazebo up and threw it about 15 feet away mm. into our fence. Walk through the front door. Everything's great. You set your your bags down and you look and go, hey, um, what happened to our gazebo? It's gone. A little bit of a damper on a vacation, but still, vacation is always enjoyable. That's it. Um, And before we dive into these topics for today, I had a a really neat article that I came across, and we talked about 3D printing um, several shows ago, and I found this awesome article that I posted, and you can find it at thecarolinacontractor.com, but it really gives a nice visual aid. I have never seen how they propose to do this 3D printing on on a larger scale, and it basically shows how they have these two what appear to be cranes on each side of the building lot, and then it basically looks like a 3D printer on a 
house size scale. So really neat article. It tells a lot more about it or it goes in depth rather more so than we did. And uh, definitely a good recommended read. Okay, what's today's topic we're going to talk about, Donnie? Well, um, we actually got a question that evolved into a topic, and we have some folks who are planning a home build, and this is a pretty common question, but the way that they asked this question is what really got my attention. Um, They asked what options should they spend money on and where should they save? In other words, what do we need to invest in initially that can't be changed down the road, and where can we save money on things that can be remodeled when we have more money? Man cave. Man cave. Yep. That's TVs, a must. comfortable chairs, everything else, you know. Man caves are mandatory slash yes. imperative. So okay, probably that's probably not true. Well, <laughs> what are the true things we should start? Maybe um, start from the bottom and work our way up. Yep, that's exactly how I plan to do it. And I had a guy. This doesn't apply to each one of these, but um, had a guy who was an HVAC designer a while back, and we really bonded. And I learned a lot from this guy. But the one thing he told me that I'll never forget is. Anytime you pay for something as a service, there are three ways you can get it. You can get it good, quick, or cheap. And what he always said is pick two of the three, but you can never have all three. And uh, I'll just let you folks digest that because, you know, in a perfect world, maybe all three are achievable. But if I think about just about all the subs I know and, and all the employees that I have, that that is just about right. Those are the three words my wife uses to describe me a lot. <laughs> I won't even ask. I won't even ask. Okay, so starting with the home build, there are several things you do before the footings take place, like the survey has to happen. You have to get port johns and things like that on site. So none mm-hmm. of that is an option. When it's time to start on your footings, that's when you have an excavation contractor come out. He digs the perimeter of your house as well as all the internal piers, and he pours concrete in those. Footings, for the most part, take care of themselves because the, the depth, the width, PSI of the concrete, several of those things are dictated by code, and you have an inspections process after the footing is dug, before the concrete goes in. So you have an inspector with his hands all over that part of the construction process. So it's Um, not a customizable thing. That's it. It's not customizable. The one thing that could go either way with a footing is how experienced your footing guy is. So my father does this. Coincidentally, he's been doing it for 30 years. He's very meticulous. And, um, you know, when when you're digging a footing, and after that footing is finished, all you see is the top of the concrete. So if you finish the concrete off, uh, everything looks the same no matter who does it. But the key is what's underneath. Uh, if that guy is not sensitive about how deep he's digging or if he doesn't have a man with a laser that's patrolling his depth the whole time, you know, you can take an extra scoop of dirt out here and there, and that extra scoop of dirt might amount to five to six more yards of concrete. So you're talking almost a $1,000 wow. swing just from a guy who doesn't know how to dig very well. And Folks always make the comment about my dad that he can scratch your back with that thing. And so, you know, that's a nice compliment. And uh, if I were ever offended, which everybody wants to be offended over something these days, when somebody says, hey, what do you want to do, dig ditches for the rest of your life? And I'm thinking, my dad digs ditches, and uh, I call it an excavation guy. You don't say that. Paid a mortgage and raised a family doing doing that. Absolutely. And there's a lot of math involved. There's just a lot of things in terms of the lay of the lot, how deep you set your laser on the very first pull. And there's a lot that goes into it that everybody might take for granted. Has he ever killed a guy with a laser? Uh, No comment. No comment on that. All right. Maybe so, not that powerful of a laser. No, no, no. Um, it's more like a uh, like you would have a leveling laser for pictures, but it's just a more complicated version that sits on a tripod. And uh, they do everything from dig with the laser. They set the height of the concrete with the laser, and it's just a really neat thing. And by the way, since I learned how to use that as a teenager, I've used that in several other areas of construction. That's been a big help. So 
moving it along to the foundation. So with foundations, of course, you have to pick out a brick. Uh, when people visualize a brick, normally they think about a standard size brick, what we call a sand face brick that you would see on a house from the 50s or 60s, because that's pretty much what was available at that time. On my personal house, and what a lot of folks like these days is something called a tumbled brick. So when you go up to the brick veneer, it kind of looks rough around the edges. It's not a perfect rectangle. Another option they have with these tumbled bricks is to get them oversized, which we have as well. If you have a two- or three-story house and you just have this incredibly large facade, uh, that oversized brick really looks good because you have that many less lines between the top to the bottom. Also, as we talked about, we had a conditioned crawl space as an option, totally optional but totally recommended. We did a program a while back that covered all the details Mm -hmm. of that. Beyond that, you're going to move to your framing package, and I know we commented on this recently, but uh, with the framing package, there's two major things to consider. Whether or not you're going to stick build it, which means you take a bunch of individual members and your framer basically puts those together per code, or you can use trusses. Where the trusses come into play is you can use floor trusses, which kind of a fan of. Um, You can use attic trusses, and that means basically your whole roof system comes in a big puzzle, and you have a crane and a framing contractor that puts all that together, and um, that is an attractive option to me when you're doing a standard ranch house, but if you have a really complicated roof system and you have hips and valleys everywhere, uh, trusses will really complicate that, and as well as you'll have about half the clear space in your attic. So if you need plenty of attic storage, trusses are definitely not the way to go. Um, beyond that, we commented on two by six exterior walls. That is a place you definitely want to spend the money. That increases your envelope cavity by 50%. Of course, that's going to cost you a little more in insulation, but on the back end of that, you'll be able to downsize the tonnage of your HVAC unit. So it's kind of a wash. So that moves us from framing what's next, windows? Windows are next, exactly. We've commented on this as well, but all windows are pretty close in R value, meaning resistance to heat flow. So your windows are pretty much the vulnerable point of your envelope for heat loss, but you can break the budget and get a really souped up window. And uh, and it's one of those things where the payback just isn't there. But if you live in an area, say like near the mountains, and that's just something that, that you want to focus on, then just don't see the payback in that. But it's something that, that is available. Most windows are about an R3. And if you can spend the money, you could get up to like an R5. I just don't think that's enough of a change to put the extra money in. I did read where 25% of your heat loss happens through your windows. On the average house, that's about $11 a year per window. Folks often ask if I can go to a triple pane window to save money. Just the quick calculations on that are that each window loses, on average, $11 worth of electricity a year. So a triple pane window only saves you $1 per window. So not as much as you would think. And the cost for triple pane windows, I think the payoff was about 35 years. So don't think that would be an attractive option. Hmm. Moving along to the plumbing, mechanical, and electrical. Uh, Plumbing and electrical fixtures, of course, are where you can save a lot of money. I believe in supporting local businesses, but a lot of these things you can buy online. You just want to make sure that they have all brass parts if it's a plumbing fixture and if it's a reputable company on the electrical fixture. Of course, in plumbing, the shower pan we talked about a few shows ago, Mm -hmm. definitely a preformed shower pan is something that you want to do on electrical, a uh, whole house surge protector, about $250 in the initial build, and it's something that you could also retrofit. think that's well worth it. On the HVAC, a lot of people think by going high on their SEER rating that that will just make their house incredibly efficient. The first step is to make sure the house is well insulated, and you mm-hmm. can just use an average SEER rating and come out somewhere near the same. Uh, multi-stage units where they only use a certain amount of tonnage, say in the fall and the spring, and they don't max out the tonnage. That's a big saver. Uh, We zoned our upstairs. So we have the master bedroom zone. Uh, My girls are on their own zone with their bathroom. And then, of course, my son's room faces southwest. So it heats up more during the summer and he has his own zone to accommodate that. 
Insulation. My house is so well insulated, I have about half the utility bill for a house I should per my size. I think the, they say that the average is around a dollar per square foot. So that's an easy way to tell if your house is insulated properly. I think we are somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 40 cents a square foot when we get our utilities. I hate you. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, flashing bat around the perimeter. We talked about that. And that's a couple episodes back if you want to reference that. Insulate your headers, insulate around all your windows, all your outlets, and of course, fixtures. And if you want to get information on these past shows, go to thecarolinacontractor.com. All right, what's next? Um, drywall. Uh, drywall is drywall is drywall, but I do recommend using 5-8 drywall on the ceiling. That's just a tick thicker than the half-inch drywall you would use on the walls, but it makes a big difference, and it'll look good for years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, trimming doors. Uh, Eight-foot doors are something that people blow the budget on sometimes. I really like that. Say so you have a 10-foot ceiling downstairs, nine-foot up, eight-foot doors really accent that well. Uh, the big thing with doors solid core versus hollow core on your bedrooms and bathrooms definitely want to spend the money on a solid core door closets hollow is just fine right. a lot of people just opt to go solid core throughout but uh, all your trim you can go with the standard trim if you get into special order stuff the detail normally jacks the price up quite a bit but uh, that's somewhere you could save money um, paint uh, we used washable paint i believe it's called the duration series from sherwin williams and I can't tell you how many times that's paid for itself. But, sure uh, does. Yeah, um, <laughs> Kids, man. The uh, gloss or semi-gloss are the options you have on the trim, but the biggest place with paint is the cost per square foot from the painter. So mm-hmm. definitely worth getting several bids on that particular trade. Uh, flooring, a lot of people, of course, want to go carpet and linoleum, and that's just the cheapest way to put the flooring in your house. I'm a big fan of three and a quarter red oak or white oak for hardwoods because that's something that's just commonly milled and the price per square foot is not that much more than the carpet or the vinyl. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Decks. The structure for decks should all be treated wood. That's not something that you see from the outside. Um, as far as what you actually step on on the deck, you know, you can use wood, what they call five quarter board, which are just standard deck boards. A lot of people are choosing to do composite, which it's not hot to the touch. I don't really walk outside barefooted on my deck much, but uh, if that's something you have a south facing deck, uh, those composite deck boards may be a good option. Handrails, uh, you also have the composite option there. Of course, wood uh, tends to twist and, and you have to paint that about every other year just to maintain it. Um, I have vinyl handrails on my personal house, and we've been really happy. That's just a pressure washer thing for maintenance Mm -hmm. and not a big deal. But um, So I guess when you finish all those things, it's time you put on a roof, and that's when you also can contact Donnie with SureTop Roofing. Go to the website, SureTopRoofing.com. You can get all this information at the Carolina Contractor site, and the best part about it is the address is not hard to remember, the Carolina Contractor Com. Coming up next segment, we got time for questions. You can submit those at the same website. Uh, you submit the questions, Donnie answers them, and we've got a uh, chance for you to win wonderful prizes and trips to Paris, France, and things like that. <laughs> if your question is. Donnie and I are going to talk about that during the break, and we'll come back with your questions on the Carolina Contractor Show. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Call the neighbors, wake the kids, gather around the radio. It's time for our favorite part of the show of the Carolina Contractors. Questions from listeners, and you can be one of the contestants too, though there are no prizes. 
for Donnie. Go to the <laughs> website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Submit your question right there, and it'll be things like this. Question number one. We are planning on replacing our countertops this year. What do you recommend? Uh, this is a good question. So basically, I'll dive into the four things that I'm going to give you the differences between. But those are granite countertops, of course, solid surface, uh, quartz, and laminate are the four most popular that we get questions on. But starting off with granite, granite looks great. Uh, granite is heat resistant. It's at a really good price point. Uh, they have different levels, level one through, I think, about level five on granite. And I think as you get to the fours and fives, those are really expensive pieces of rock that have been mined from the bottom of the ocean and things like that. But they look great. It's just, it's one of those things where it's very affordable if you don't mind a level one. That's what we have in my personal house. We've been super happy with it. Um, The only thing is it does require a little bit of maintenance. So uh, with granite, you do have to seal it every so often. They recommend sealing it every two years. I'll be honest, we haven't done ours that much, but the time when you need to seal becomes pretty apparent. The granite doesn't bead water anymore. So if it beads water, you're probably okay. If you somehow see a ring under your soap dish, then that means it's probably soaking into the granite and needs to be resealed. Uh, Other than that, the only con is that it has seams. It's so heavy that you have to break it into pieces, Mm -hmm. and uh, a good granite installer will make those seams go away for the most part, but the seams are there. Solid surface has no seams. Also, it's not porous at all, so it can't be stained or, or anything because it just doesn't absorb anything. I like solid surface. I like granite a little more just because solid surface is more expensive, and also it's not heat resistant. So that's another thing. If you set a pot or a pan on a granite countertop, it's not going to do anything, right. but this uh, solid surface will show that for the rest of its life. It is not very scratch resistant either, so if you pick that pan up or there's something under that and you slide it across, you've got a big scratch in your solid surface and it all has to go. We mentioned quartz last week when we were talking about the solar shingles. Quartz mm-hmm. is virtually indestructible and in every category. I'll post a neat diagram that I found that compares all these online, but um Quartz basically is heat resistant. It has no pores. Uh, Mold can't grow on it and so on. But in every category, quartz blows everything away. However, it is the most expensive option. And unless it's just something you really want, I don't know that it's worth it over granite. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laminate. A lot of people have laminate countertops. And if you've had laminate countertops, you know that they definitely have less of a shelf life than the rest. But um, they are the best price point. So a lot of folks go with laminate. Uh, Like we commented on the first segment, this is one of those things that if you're budget conscious and you're really trying to squeeze things on your home, if you put laminate in, that's something that can always be changed out later. So definitely a remodel upgrade. Uh, It will burn and it does have seams. So just about every category, it's inferior, but it's at the right price point if that's what fits you. All right. Question number two submitted to thecarolinacontractor.com. Which designer shingle is the best bang for the buck, and you were the one that showed me designer shingles, mm-hmm. and they blew me away what they can do with shingles. Yeah, they have, uh, they've been out for a while, but they just gained a lot of notoriety here recently because the manufacturers are really starting to push these. The prediction that we stated several shows ago, we did a whole segment on designer shingles, and they're saying within the next 20 years, where we have architectural and three-tab now, in the next couple of decades, they expect to have 20 different lines of shingles, and these designer shingles are what they're referencing here. But um, there are countless lines of those. I uh, invite you to go to designershingle.com, which is also our site that we had built. Uh, we had one of our sponsors, GAF, refer us to their folks who do all their web work in Chicago. So we actually reached out to the big the big boys, and uh, they put this wonderful site together, and it's just a wealth of information on there if you are curious about designer shingles. But in the GAF brand particularly, uh, 
uh, a few brands uh, come to mind. Woodland, Sienna, Slate Line, or the Camelot 2 are all very affordable. Um, and Certainteed, which is another popular manufacturer for designers, the Belmont and the Highland Slate are both in that same price point as the uh, GAFs I mentioned. And another thing that you want to take into consideration is these things are awful heavy. In terms of transportation, or you have a gentleman taking a bundle of shingles up a ladder, a lot of these are uh, four and five bundles per square, where standard shingles are three bundles per square just because of the weight. So what that means for your labor is that if you are being charged by the square, a lot of folks are going to calculate their labor on that three bundles per square. So the shingles themselves are a little bit more than the architectural, but the labor is something else that's going to cost a little bit more. And again, if you want to see all the different lines that are available and just shoot us an inquiry, we'll be happy to price out or give you a good, better, best comparison on these at designershingle.com. And these could actually add value to your house too, right? Absolutely. The 7% is is what they say for these designers. And, you know, if you're talking about a home that's $300,000, mm-hmm. um, you know, $20,000 increase in the house value is nothing to sneeze at. Again, the website that Donnie was mentioning is designershingle.com. Uh, next question. We moved into our house last fall. So this is our first summer. Several of the doors throughout the house are sticking. Any idea what we can do? There's several things you can do. If I were going to troubleshoot this problem, I would ask where the doors are in terms of the south-facing orientation. Uh, We had something similar happen the first summer in in our house, and uh, it was all in my kids' room, and all of their rooms face south, coincidentally. So what was going on is uh, the sun was coming through the windows, um, heating that room up a little more than what the rest of the house was. And doors are not completely made out of wood, but there's several wood components in there that can you know, shrink or swell like anything else in the house. Most of the time when a door sticks, it's at the top. So a neat trick that we do is we open the door up uh, where the hinges are exposed and we can take a three inch screw and I take the middle screw out of the top hinge. I put the three inch screw in there and what that does is it draws the actual door frame to the framing that you can't see inside of the wall. Whereas that hinge screw is only about three quarters of an inch long. That three inch screw will actually pull the door tight against the framing, which maybe it should have been set that way all along. But that's just a neat trick that we have up our sleeve. So you're saying a a 50 cent fix. Yep. Pretty much. In some cases. Yep. The one thing you want to be careful about is when you buy the screws, you want to buy a screw with a matching finish head. So if you have oil rub bronze or brushed nickel or brass, you want to invest in maybe a little more expensive screw than that just so that they all match in the hinge. Also, in the beginning of the show, we're talking about doors, solid versus hollow. Does that have an effect on if they're more likely to stick? I would think a hollow door would be very prone to sh- it, shift around. You're spot on. It definitely it definitely does move more than that heavier solid core door. And as a disclaimer, if you try this on any kind of door around your house that's sticking, what you want to do before you do anything is get down eye level with the strike plate. So the door has a bolt. When you turn the handle, that bolt should line up directly in the middle of that strike plate. The strike plate hole is, of course, much bigger than the bolt, so it gives you just a little bit of variance or play there. What you don't want to happen is you draw the door up so much that the sticking goes away and you have the common reveal around, but you've pulled the bolt up where it doesn't fit into your strike plate. Should you need to adjust the strike plate, we have a neat trick there where, you know, a razor knife and some toothpicks. I know that sounds strange, but if you have to take the strike plate out, you know, you can cut slightly above where it was positioned originally fill in the old screw holes with the toothpick. So you're basically like cutting a shim and sticking it in the old wood and you screw it back. But um, not saying carry on a pocket full of toothpicks if you're a carpenter, but that's just one way. And the final thing we got is something my son has asked me before and I couldn't answer it completely. He wanted to know why we put rebar in concrete. He saw a piece of broken concrete and had the steel rod sticking out. And he said, dad, 
why do they have those pieces of metal in the concrete? And I said, so you can make John Wick movies and throw people on them. Now, I said, I guess it's just some sort of reinforcement. I'm not sure. Reinforcement is the perfect word, and that's exactly the intention. Um, what happens, and I'll use my father's footing as an example. If he digs the footing, he puts these what's called half-inch steel members, and people refer to this as rebar. And basically, rebar is a, a reinforcing member that when the concrete is set up, it holds it all together better for lack of a long explanation, but mm-hmm. you basically go in every five or six feet, you put what they call a rebar chair, and you lay these two to three runs of rebar along there, tie all that into the chair, and then, of course, you pour the concrete on that. It's embedded in the middle, or say lower third, actually, of the concrete. And if you can imagine a scenario where maybe the ground under the footing settles at a later date, uh, what that does is instead of that concrete wanting to settle with the ground, the rebar keeps it all together. And um, if you can imagine as well, if concrete is broken in one spot or another, right. that rebar still ties. It's somewhat of a bridge to the next piece over past the break. So rebar is the difference in a in a building failing or not. But uh, there's enough content on rebar that we could put a whole nother show together on that. And uh, maybe that's something we should look into. Very cool. All right. You have a question for Donnie? Go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Dot com. Submit your questions there. You can also listen to past shows and find information of past shows and things we've talked about. Donnie, I hope you have a great weekend. I won't see you until after the 4th of July, right. so happy 4th of July. Same to you, sir. And if you need help with your roof especially, be sure to visit SureTopRoofing.com. They'll gladly come out to your house and give you a free estimate on your roof or just let you know if everything's okay. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on The Carolina Contractor. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. Big Blue Restoration, the number one choice in water damage restoration. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.